Yeah, so, okay, so in this series then, now you can hear me, in this series then, uh, we're looking at, I, I'm kind of have an, a message here this morning for, for both audiences, because it is uh, what the world says about aging and what the world says about uh, this final kind of golden years part of our life, and, and there's a message to us as Christians in terms of how we age well and what the Bible says about getting old and what God's message is, but there's also messages here this morning for us as the younger church in terms of how we honor and how we treat those who are aging and the elderly, and so it's really sort of two audiences here, so you both have to be listening, and uh, as I go through this, you'll sort of see how there's something, I think, for all of us to learn from the scriptural perspective of aging, and I want to use as a launching place or as a basis Psalm 71. So you can turn there uh, in your Bibles or you can tap there on your phones. And we're going to look at Psalm 71 verses 5 to 9 and then 17 to 21. And this psalm is really the prayer of an aging or an old saint. This is a a man who is later on in his walk with the Lord, nearing the end of his life, and he has this prayer for us in Psalm 71. And... uh, I'll just read and we can follow along on the screen. You have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb and I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many and you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, God, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up, and you will increase my honor and and comfort me once more. And so this morning, as we consider these words, and we consider not just this Psalm 71, but we consider all of Scripture, we're really asking ourselves as believers, we're asking ourselves as the church, is the message aimed at, At the retirement age and the aging generation, the message by the banks and the insurance companies and by Zoomer magazine and by the Florida retirement communities, the same message that comes from Scripture. Is that message what the message that God would have for us? The message of the world is, uh, and for retirement to the modern Western world, is basically, if you think about it, their substitute for heaven. I mean, if you don't believe that there is a greater reward coming and that there is a heaven to come, then the world has to have their heaven now. And so as much self-gratification as can be had before the grave, that's what you're after. When you don't believe in the infinite satisfaction of heaven in the future and you don't have the deep joy of knowing Jesus in the present, then what else can you do except to try to create that heaven here on earth? What else can you do but try to seek out the kind of retirement the world holds out to you? Medically, chemically, surgically renewed youth, however you can attain it. And at the very end, keeping the truly suffering out of sight as much as possible so that we don't have our heaven on earth ruined for us. Or worse, looking forward even to next week when we look at uh, the very difficult topic on our coming up in our legal system now of medically assisted suicide, 
of simply choosing at the end of self-gratification when, when age or anything else in our life causes us now to no longer have sort of the, the gleeful joy that the world says we should have just ending our life. And so the message about aging and our final years that the world sells us, it's, it's not the same message that God has for us. And so as Christians, as believers, when, when we consider these topics that are out there in the culture, we have to think, what is the message of the world and what is the message of Scripture? And are those messages the same? And which call should we be heeding? What is the call of God in the latter years of our life versus what is the call of the world? And so for just a moment, we want to blot out those other messages for a bit, and we want to see the message of God for those of you who are growing older. And for us as a church, as the family of God, we want to see the message of Scripture, especially for the younger church, for those people that God has put in our family and in our life, and how we treat them in their elder years. And so for the message of the church is that Our retirement is not a second childhood. Our retirement is not about just trying to hang on to youth or hang on to joy or try to recreate heaven here on earth because, you know, we're not sure what we're going to get later. Instead, the message of the church is about a sagely maturity. It's about people who are living out in their final years the best years of their Christian life. And so it's not self-serving or world-glorifying, but it's God-glorifying. I read that at the turn of the century, and this is the turn of the previous century. I have to keep remembering that all of these quotes now that talk about the turn of the century, this is the turn of the last century. At the turn of the 20th century, the average man in America spent 3% of his lifetime in retirement. In this decade the average man is spending 23% of his life in retirement. So almost two-thirds of all workers retire before the age of 65 now, and over half the people over 85 report no physical disabilities. And so we are a population now that, it, that lives a good chunk of our life, a fifth, almost a quarter of our life in retirement. And that's a big change from 100 and some years ago. And what these statistics tell us is that there's more and more older people who have this Psalm 71 experience. There's more and more people who are going to be persevering in life and needing to know how to live in that quarter of their life. And there's going to be more and more people in our churches, more and more older people needing to choose between the call of the world and the call of Christ in the later seasons and more and more older people that the young church then has amongst us as a blessing, and how we need to understand how to work with and to integrate with this older generation to treat properly and to honor according to Scripture. And as we, as we look at Psalm 71, is I want to talk about persevering and receiving, that as we retire, as we get into the older final seasons of our lives, that we are in a place where we have to persevere and we're in a place where we have to receive. And so the first area, there's three areas of persevering that I want to look at. The first is persevering in learning. The psalmist says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I am old and gray. And so this old Satan here has been learning about God his whole life, and God is still teaching. And it's been one long, continuous act of teaching which produced testimony of God's glory. 
And I can tell you that uh, as a teacher and as a preacher, that there is a special joy in seeing older people that are still excited about learning new things about Jesus. I mean, with children and teenagers and 20 or 30-somethings, I kind of expect it. I kind of expect kids to be excited because they're learning everything for the first time about God and who created them and who's going to love them and be with them for their life. And even for the 20s and 30s, I expect them to go deeper into the world and for their minds to be engaged and for them to be eager to mature in their faith. But when 60 and 70 and 80-year-olds are still pulling out their pens and pencils and they're marking in their Bibles and they underline, and they're still mining out the truths of scriptural passages that they have read over and over and over again in a lifetime of faith. That's truly exciting. You know, when, when a 75-year-old says, I get it now, I see it, when a 65 or 70-year-old finally lays down their sword and gives up a lifetime of rebellion against God to feel his forgiveness and to know his salvation... Even that late in life is so amazing. So God has in store for us in our, as we age and as we grow elderly, God has incredible learning for us. It never ends. Because we can, we can easily think at 60 or 70 or 80 years old that there is nothing more for me to learn. That I've, you know, known God a long time and I've read the Bible and I've been to church and I've heard every sermon and, and there's really not a lot for me to learn. And, and now's the time just for me to relax. You know, I don't have to, you know, do all that hard work. And, and that would be a, I, I just, I ask that you persevere in learning, that you persevere in seeking after God, that passion to learn from God, from God's word. It turns into a passion for speaking God's word to those around you. The psalmist goes on, he says, to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I am old and gray. And so we are to persevere. The scripture says we're to persevere in learning that our, our later years are not just for stopping, but for continuing and persevering to learn. The other thing, too, is that we persevere in ministry. Secondly, we persevere in ministry as long as we live. It says in verse 18, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And so we don't enter into a second childhood in retirement and cease labor, glorifying ourselves or glorifying the world and sort of a life of ease and materialism. Scripture here says that we persevere in labor, we persevere in ministry to the glory of God. Continuing in ministry tells everyone that God is more glorious than golf, right? When you see an older person, 65, 75, 80 and they're not on the golf course, but they're teaching a Bible study. You know, when they are not um, just spending their time watching TV or, you know, going to bridge club or, you know, taking up another hobby, when they are spending their time ministering in the church, when they are spending time with younger people, when they are spending time visiting people, persevering in ministry says to the world that God is more glorious than golf and hobbies and ease. And that, as Christians, is what we have to make sure stays foremost. What is more glorious? Is it our ease in retirement? Is it hobbies? Is it vacation? Or is God more glorious? And what we do in ministry sends that message. God has uniquely equipped the old to have much to offer the church. I mean, there are some general examples in terms of... of uh, of, of spiritual gifts and, and blessings that the age have that can 
be a blessing to the church. And I think of teaching. There's so much wisdom and so much knowledge that is contained in the people that are um, available to teach uh, after retirement. I think of all the parenting advice and grandparenting advice that is there that comes from experience. I think of all the people that you relate to and that you know and that you can evangelize. We were just talking before the service this morning uh, about one of our um, elders who just has this amazing ministry of prayer and meeting people and serving. And he knows pretty much everybody because he's been in this community for so long. There's like nobody that he doesn't know. And so that's just an incredible gift that you have to offer ministry and offer to the church. Serving and leading. Spiritual gifts don't disappear at 65. There's still a place for you to serve in the church and serve strongly. As I was reading about various uh, old saints, so to speak, that have served the church so well, Oswald Sanders came up and he was speaking at a convention at the age of 89. And uh, he was still doing speaking and he, had, he said at this convention when he was speaking at 89, he said he had written a book a year for Christ since he was 70. So he's written 19 books since he turned 70. And I've only read three of them, I think. And he's written them. But God's people are blessed by the fact that Oswald Sanders decided that he wasn't going to putz around playing golf and bridge club and hobbies and watching TV, but instead he continued to persevere in, his, in the ministry that God gave him and wrote a book every single year from age 70 to 89. And the church benefits from that. Now, not all older people are called to be missionaries or evangelists or published writers, but we're all called to minister where we are. And so going back to Psalm 71... The psalmist writes, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I, and he talks about proclaiming. But we can finish that sentence a lot of different ways. And so in persevering in ministry, I would ask, how do you finish that sentence? Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I have visited every shut-in in our church this year, until every resident of Extendicare has a prayer partner, do not forsake me, my God, until there's a Bible study hosted in every apartment building in town. Don't forsake me, my God, until there is not one single mom who has to parent alone without help. Until every widow has a handyman to call. Until every needy child has a sponsor to camp. Until every prisoner has received a letter of hope. Until every repair and improvement has been done in the church so that ministry has a place to flourish. You can end that sentence a lot of ways. But this old saint in the psalmist says, God, do not forsake me. Don't forsake me until I have completed my ministry. And we all have to ask ourselves, what is it that God has that he won't forsake you until you finish? Because if you are willing, God will show you how to serve in a way that fits your gifts and the strengths that you have. Thirdly, on persevering, and then we'll get to receiving. Persevering. These old saints have to persevere in suffering. Not everyone can minister the same way. And as we age and become elderly, we don't have the same strength that we used to have in our youth, right? And some of you are thinking, Paul, I can get injured if I just nap improperly. <laughs> and I know that, okay? I've hurt myself napping too. <laughs> and God knows that. God knows the condition that you're in. He's, in verse 9 in Psalm 71, he says, Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. This old saint knows. This psalmist knows. And God knows. Weakness and suffering are something that comes with age. But as believers, we don't reject suffering 
in the same way that the world often rejects suffering. Nor should we hide our suffering as though we're ashamed of our suffering. It's through suffering that God can be most glorified. And as we age, we don't have the same strength. And so ministry will take a different shape. It isn't always the labor of missions work or caring for others physically or serving with our bodies. The psalmist here speaks often of the teaching and the telling and the proclaiming. And through our suffering, we have to learn how to help others in the suffering that they have. We have to learn how to bring care and compassion and teaching and proclaiming to situations that younger people have and have just never experienced. We look at 2 Corinthians 1. Paul speaks to this issue. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And so this is another unique area in ministry and perseverance in older age, where we persevere in suffering simply to proclaim the glory of God in our perseverance, but also realizing that we are suffering for a reason, that as we suffer, we can bring comfort to those in trouble who have suffered in the same way that we have, that nothing in our life is wasted. God will not take any area of our life and waste it, not even our suffering. And prayer is another ministry that's so important and often best understood by older saints who are suffering. How else can you pray with the passion and compassion and empathy that is required except that you have experienced those things through your life as well and maybe experiencing that suffering now? As our bodies fail, we learn lean more and more on prayer and God's kingdom benefits from that. But even as suffering takes the strength of our bodies, it may take the clarity and sharpness of our minds over time. And some saints are called for a season to persevere in suffering for suffering's sake itself, as I will touch on shortly in receiving. Suffering shapes our ministry, but there's a season where suffering may be your ministry. And it's in this way. Through suffering, we depend more fully on God. And through suffering, we put on display the glory of God by becoming the object of Christian love which leads me into the next section of receiving. So as, as we retire and as we age and we enter into that season of our life, there are areas where we need to persevere and be persevering, and there's areas where we are meant to be receiving, Scripture says. And the first area that we need to receive, and, and our younger generation and the younger church has to hear this, is that we're meant to receive honor. In Psalm 71, verse 21, he says, You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. Leviticus 19, God lays out for his people. He says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord. And so for us younger believers, there can be messages about age that we have to reject as well from the world. You know, while the older we are, we tend to romanticize the good old days, and the way it used to be was always the better. At the same time, the younger we are, we tend to think newer is always better and old-fashioned is always irrelevant. And so there's a message from the world that we have to reject as younger people as well, that newer is not always better, and older isn't irrelevant, that there is a reason for the way things were done, and there is a purpose for the wisdom that remains with us in the church. And so the church, in the church, we honor the saints that have gone before and are going before us, that have spent lifetimes applying the truth of Scripture to their lives and to the challenges that now face us as a younger church. 
The patterns of thought and practice that the older generations have laid down were laid down for a reason. And they've stood the test of time and they are healthy and good. And so we also honor the older saints for their own sake and for what they have built and that we stand upon and build upon. And this can get lost in a low-context culture like ours, right, where everybody is on a first-name basis, right? There's no more sir or ma'am in our culture anymore. And there's been sort of a loss of awe at what persevering for a long life in holiness and faithfulness means. But I want us to get this message here, that God intends our honor and our respect of the aged to be a reflection of our right understanding of him. Look how Leviticus 19.32 ends. He says, After honoring, standing up before the gray head and honoring the face of an old man, he says, you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord. The respect we show our elders is meant as a result of our awe of God. And what I mean by that is if you look at it this way, if we are a generation, if we are a church culture that thinks that God is our buddy, that we just sort of chum around with God and and talk like he's the same of us, then what reverence can we possibly have for a faithful old saint in our church? If we don't even revere God, then how will we revere an older saint? And God says here in Leviticus, show reverence to the gray-haired, remember your place, just as you should feel awe and show reverence to me because I am the Lord. And so there's a connection here. God says there's a faith connection. There's a reverence connection. There's an awe connection for us as believers in how we honor the elderly and how we honor the gray-haired that have gone before us and the kind of relationship that we have with God. So we are to receive honor as we age, and that is right and healthy and good in the church. Secondly, we are to receive care. 1 Timothy 5 says... But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. And anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so the first obligation is to family by family, but Paul has previously said that there is no family in a true need, then that's where the church steps in. It says, honor widows who are truly widows, or as the NIV puts it, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. And so there's another message here for us as young believers in the church, that we don't run away from family duty to our aging parents and grandparents. We don't wash our hands of them and make them a burden on others. And this doesn't mean that we're always able to you know, move them into our homes or spend every day with them or, or that that is even wise given the medical needs they may have. But what it means is that as believers, we demonstrate the love of God in showing compassion and love and care, especially to the family of God. God is glorified when a family cares for their parents and grandparents well. God is glorified when a church cares for those who are aging and in need well. And for those that are aging and in need of care, understand this. Just as you are persevering in suffering... Suffering may be your ministry. This is a circumstance and a season of life that God may have called you to for his glory and God is glorified as you receive the care and love and comfort and compassion of your family and church. Sometimes we're just called to be the object of people's love that's inspired by God and given by God. Romans 14, 7 to 8 was especially meaningful to me when my father was suffering 
with Alzheimer's, and I've told you this before, but I'll just remind you, Romans 14, 7 to 8, this verse jumped out at me, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And that verse just stood out to me to make me realize that even as my father was suffering, even that it looked like you know, he couldn't continue to learn, that he didn't have a great ministry, that he couldn't even necessarily pray anymore, he could still be the object of my mother's love. He could still demonstrate the glory of God by being the recipient of compassion and being the recipient of care from a family and church that loved him. And so that for his family, for his brother and sister, and for the nurses and for the people in our lives around him, they could see the love of God as it was expressed towards my father. And so as we age and as we understand as a church how we treat the elderly and how we age well, we have to understand that it is the job, so to speak, of those that are suffering, even in their final years, to receive the care of the church and to receive the compassion of believers and thereby put God's glory and God's love on display. God will not waste anything in your life. And then thirdly, to receive our final reward, to receive the reward. One of the great things, one of the blessings of being in the church a long time, being in ministry a long time, having a, being one of these old Psalm 71 saints with the gray hair and having persevered, you get to receive your reward. And, and one of those rewards is seeing the results of past ministry. It's a tremendous reward to see the fruition of what you have put your life into and what God has blessed you through your spiritual gift and your talents and your ministry, through your planning and your teaching and your discipleship. You get to see students graduate. You get to see the children of the parents that you mentored flourishing. You get to see buildings built and communities and families impacted. And that's rewarding. God has given you a rewarding ministry life, and one of the rewards that you receive is seeing that ministry come to fruition. It's also rewarding to know the influence you have in the maturity of your age, the influence that you have in the trajectory that you set for the future. You know, through the teaching that you do, through the discipleship that you've done, through the young lives that you've molded, through the influence that you still carry with the wisdom and the age that you have in the church, um, through even money, because you often have more money uh, than young people who have kids and school debt and all of that stuff, through longevity of influence, the steady hand at the tiller sets the trajectory or sets the course for decades to come. Paul talks about this reward himself this way. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, he says, For what is our hope, what is our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? And so you have a reward, and, and part of that reward is right now just seeing the results of your ministry as you have served faithfully in the church but then finally receiving the ultimate reward. When the perseverance in ministry is over and the perseverance in suffering comes to its end as well, the real reward is stored up for us in heaven. The psalmist in Psalm 71, this old saint, he prays. He covers it all. He says in verse 20, Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. 
And so even here in the Psalms, the writer looks forward to the promise that God's servants will not finally see decay, but a new and eternal life full of joy. In Jesus' parable of the master's servants, those who persevered and were fruitful in ministry while the master was away heard when they met him. In Matthew 25, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And so the message of the world is one thing. The message of the world is there is no reward to come. There is no heaven. There is no God. There is no future hope. There is no joy in Christ now. If you don't have a future hope in heaven and you don't have joy in Christ now, then the message of the world says, look, you've worked your whole life for this. You reward yourself now. You get as much golf and you get as much Florida and you get as much boating and you get as much TV and you get as much recreation as you can and you do whatever it takes to enter into your second childhood and relive those glory days. But that's not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is, I've given you a purpose and a ministry and a joy and you continue to serve faithfully and there is a reward for you. You persevere in your joy in God. You persevere in your learning the truth. You persevere in your ministry of teaching that you have a blessing of wisdom and experience and influence that you can have on the next generation, that you can proclaim the works of God because you experience the works of God. You can comfort those who need comfort because you had had that suffering. And you've come through it with God and that there is a reward for you to see the work of your ministry. And so the message of the world and the message of the insurance companies and the banks and the retirement magazines and all of those messages are one thing, but the message of Scripture is another. And the message of the world that says, you know, put the elderly away, keep them hidden, you know, don't let them spoil your youth. For us younger church, the message of Scripture is very different. It's no You go to them. You seek their wisdom. You learn from them. You care for them. In their suffering, you have opportunity to show the love of Christ to them. And so as we consider this, we understand that the message of the world and the message of Scripture are two very different calls. And our answer, especially to those with gray hair, the call that we answer is very important. The challenge for us is what call are we going to heed? Are we going to heed the call of of the world, or are we going to heed the call of Scripture? That's what's on our plate. Have you been caught up in the world's message about retirement and aging? Have you slipped into listening to the world's call on your golden years rather than God's call? Have you neglected to dream God's dream? And for us as a church, are we doing what we should be doing to honor our old saints, to be integrating them into ministry, to be recognizing the tremendous value that they have and encouraging them to be part of our lives? Is God glorified by the honor that we bestow and the wisdom that we receive? Are we making them trophies of our love and compassion to put the glory of God on display in how we care for them? Have we cared for the widow? Is there a gray head in your life that you need to rise up before and respect we want to be a people of god that glorify god in all the stages of our life and in our care for all ages we love kids we keep saying kids of the future and we pour so much into vbs and sunday school and rightly we should but the church is not all about kids 
We have to glorify God in all the stages of our life, and we have to care for those of all ages in order to heed the call of Scripture and what it means to age well and to treat the aged properly. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. It's very practical, very straightforward. There's no necessarily great epiphany moments here for us, but just a simple reminder that we live in a reality, especially in this community, that's probably aging quicker than it's getting younger. And that we are a church that is filled with all generations. And so we need to honor those that have gone before us. And we need to respect the ministry that they have done and the ministry that they are doing. And Father, for those that are in those years of retirement and and even facing them coming soon, we need to ask ourselves, what call will we heed? Will we heed the call of the world or will we heed the call of your scripture? Are we really entering into a second childhood or are we entering into the greatest years of our most mature and prolific ministry? Maybe we'll write 19 books after we turn 70. Who knows? But Father, you have more in store for us than golf and bridge. You have incredible ministry in store and ready. And we really have to know how to answer that question. Father, don't forsake me until... How do we fill in the until? And Lord, help us to be a church that honors those that are serving so well and aid them in filling in that blank. Encourage and lift them up and support them in the ministry they're doing so that we have vibrant ministry in all ages in this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.